Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. All right, I just needed to make sure that I reached back, took it off of mute. Well, here we are. Look around. Isn't this a great group of people to go to heaven with? Amen. Amen. Well, I walked into the room and had a nice surprise as my brother and friend and one of our missionaries, Rex Bornman, has slipped in to be with us today. And uh, I have an extra mic here, and I just wanted to invite you to come, Rex. I was poorly prepared. I need you to preach for me. No, that's not it. I'm ready to go, but if you come, seriously, come on up. Come on down. The price is right. And <laughs> continuing missionary support from Vision Church of the Assemblies of Gods. Come right down. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of update us. We're supporting you and standing with you, and you're supporting us and standing with us. And we want to see what's going on in Rex Bornman's world. Not everything that's going on in your mind, but everything that's going on in your world. I won't dump all that on you. Thank you, Pastor Doug. Uh, This is a surprise. Uh, Not that I showed up today. Uh, That's probably a surprise to you, but uh, we love you. We love Pastor Doug and Tasha, the whole uh, staff and family of ministry here. Uh, it's just a very special friendship, a special fellowship that we have. And we are so appreciative, both my wife and I. By the way, you might add to your May birthdays. My wife's birthday was on May 4th. Ooh. She, I can't, well, I will not, in the spirit of uh, survival, I will not tell you how old she is. But uh, she's younger than me. She will always be younger than me. But it's a delight to be able to be with you. I'm so happy that uh, all of you are standing firm in the faith. You know, it's kind of feel like Paul when he writes to all of his friends. There are this one sort of theme keeps coming up every time in every epistle he writes. And it's basically this. Every time I think about you, I just smile. My heart is just thrilled. And I pray for you. And when I get the news ever, or I see it, that you're somehow standing firm in the faith, that you're actually growing and going on powerfully with the Lord, then my heart just does these backflips and leaps in the name of the Lord with joy and rejoicing. And that's really uh, kind of what we do, what, how I feel in these Sundays when I'm not out somewhere else and I just have a chance to run in and visit with friends. So uh, I apologize that I was late this morning. I actually got twisted around. I've come here so many times and, and I didn't take that route today. I thought I would take a faster one. Eh, wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. But we're so excited. God is doing great things. I'm so happy that you have, uh, in some fashion or other, survived the pandemic. Uh, and I certainly prayed for you through this whole time. And I, I trust that you are praying one for another as well. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's a, it's a world-shaking kind of event that we've been through. And we're not through yet. We're kind of on the tail end of it. But I, I think it's really a, a really interesting thing that I I believe that behind it all, there is a message from God uh, to those who call themselves believers. There is this phenomenon of people who had been attached to the church, but not really a part. And they have somehow drifted away. Well, because they never were much connected. But I think there is a purifying. I think there's a a realizing. I think there is a, uh, what do I want to call it, a culling, uh, separating out, which is a last day's thing that God intends to do because God intends to pour out his spirit on the remnant. God intends to pour out his power upon the people who really get it and really go after the Lord Jesus who want to be successful and effective, not, not in business or in life or in, or in you know, the world's eyes, but in the name of the Lord, in the harvesting of souls, in the healing of sick bodies, in the delivering of people from demonic bondage, and in glorifying Christ alive and well and active in the earth. And that's what he is. That's who he is. That that's what he's doing. And his plan A, look around the room, it's you. Welcome to the ministry in the name of Jesus. So uh, I bring you greetings from all of the international ministries that we are partnering with. Uh, Just one quick story, if you don't mind, that just recently 
I have had this marvelous thing because throughout the whole pandemic, I've been out running around anyway. I'm, I'm now fully vaccinated. I'm also COVID free and I'm all of these other things, but I've been running around the entire time just believing that the Lord will help me and keep me safe from all of that stuff, but making contact with people wherever I could and whenever I could. And it's really been an interesting kind of thing because uh, in the international communities, they they don't know how to deal with all of this. There's a lot of the people who are, uh, especially from the Congo, that if you don't know much about the Congo, uh, the revolution in Congo and the up, unrise, uprising and unrest in Congo is probably 35 years old. I mean, it's been going on for a really long time. Uh, I had a chance to meet just a couple of weeks ago with a brother. His, I won't mispronounce his first name for you because you would as well. But his last name is Thomas. There's a good name. <laughs> There's one we like here. But Brother Thomas has had uh, fled from the Congo uh, originally back a, a long, long time ago. And uh, when he fled from the Congo, he was placed in a Rwandan refugee camp. And uh, that's typical of what they do when they when you first move out as a refugee, you are given a camp status. You are and you're supposed to be two years in these relocation camps. And so you come there just to avoid being killed. And it's bare bones necessity living until we can get you permanently placed somewhere. That's the way the U.N. works. And so uh, he was in the Rwandan refugee camp for two years. And then in the third year, he began to realize he might not be getting out of the Rwandan refugee camp for a period of time. And so he asked the Lord, what what does God want him to do before he gets relocated? And God said the same thing I wanted you, you to do when you were in the Congo. And that is to plant churches, to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Brother Thomas, over the next 19 years, he spent 21 years in the two-year relocation camp. And in the 21 years, they planted 16 churches, 16 churches, 16 powerful Pentecostal assemblies of God, reaching and touching people and servicing them. And then, ding, 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 he got relocated to the United States of America. They are living now in the greater Phoenix area in Phoenix, Arizona. And I just had an opportunity to meet him because this Congolese network is is kind of like connected all over the place. There is a Congolese congregation that we work with really quite closely uh, in in Fort Worth specific, and it's tied to Harvest Assembly uh, with Pastor Dale Shorter. Great, great fellowship. But this brother Ngiri does, doesn't speak any well, very little English, really good Swahili. And my Swahili is about as good as Jumbo and uh, Buana Akubariki, which means the Lord bless you. But once we get past that, I'm pretty much either speaking in tongues or just believing God for an interpreter. But Brother Ngiri is connected somehow to the rest of this network. All these folks, when they are relocated to the States, they somehow maintain these connections. God bless. It's not just the, the Holy Spirit's doing. It's cell phones, it's technology, it's the Internet, it's all of these kind of things. Well, because of that, through Brother and Geary, we have been able to see a congregation in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky, find itself a church home. 155 people just meeting together, speaking Swahili, worshiping the Lord, but really unattached and unsupported. Now they are a part of C3, which is Christ Community Church right there in Louisville, a powerful Assemblies of God fellowship that is, is working with them, and, and we're excited about that. Just the other week, I was talking with Brother Thomas because he came in from Phoenix to visit here because they're, they're wanting the same thing to happen in Phoenix. They have a fellowship out there of a couple hundred, 250 people that are meeting, and they have no place to meet. They keep getting bounced out of places because they get too big. Isn't that marvelous? I'm telling you, the harvest is is going on. God is reaching. He is touching. He is saving. He is filling people with the Holy Spirit. And this is just the most recent thing. There are so many of these kind of stories. So keep praying for us. Keep praying with us. We are certainly praying for and with you. We love this house. We love this dear set of friends that God has given us. And we really love your pastors. God bless. Amen. Thank you, my brother. We're so grateful for the gift of Rex and Chris Bornman to the body of Christ. 
And I get a special status. We're very good friends, and uh, the Lord just gives us those special relationships. Rex is a great Barnabas. He's a son of consolation. He knows how to build bridges, and he's helping churches that have existing facility connect with people who need facility and building relationship and partnership for the sake of the gospel. And that's exciting to be a part of, isn't it? Aren't you glad Vision Church can be a part of that? And more than that, we can be a part of the kingdom of heaven. We are part of the church that Jesus said, I will build my church, that ecclesia, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Now, last I checked, gates are places of counsel and defense, but they are not very good offensive weapons. Only uh, Samson, I think, used gates as offensive weapons. <laughs> he went and tore them off the hinges and used them as a, as a battering ram. But, but gates are defensive. Jesus is saying the, the church is not supposed to be in a defensive position. Hold the fort for I am coming. But it is supposed to move into the offensive and stay on the cutting edge on the tip of the spear for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that, I want to direct your attention here to these side walls. It says, Compelled, Isaiah chapter 61. This is our missions theme for the year. And uh, we are in between that time, uh, scripturally, between the time of the resurrection and the time we're coming up to the time of the ascension. And you know what next Sunday is? Not just two weeks after Mother's Day. It is Pentecost Sunday. And I just want to let you know that next Sunday, Pentecost, I'm going to be preaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the significance of it, need of it. And let's expect for some people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you would like to be, be praying and preparing this week, saying, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to be prepared to connect. Now, they had 10 days in an upper room together, praying, wondering what God was going to do, and waiting, waiting, waiting. How many of you know waiting rooms can be therapeutic? (laughs) they can work on your patience they can prepare your heart and so they had those 10 days so take the next seven just know next sunday we're going to be focused on pentecost sunday and let's expect a refreshing of the holy spirit let's expect the raising of that level of passion and fire and let's expect somebody who's never been baptized in the holy spirit before no matter how long they've been looking, seeking, desiring that, that that would spring forth in their life. And we're going to be focused on that next week. Because next Sunday is what Sunday? Pentecost Sunday, the 50th week. The day of not only the giving of the law, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the life of the ecclesia, the church, as discovered in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Now, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, because I want to talk to you about commission. Now, some of you are sales-minded, and you immediately said, Oh, commission, what rate? I like commission. Those of us that stink at sales, we just want the flat rate, thank you. Just give us the salary, because I'm going to starve to death. I will tell you that right now. Then there's other people who are just sales machines. And they will, you can just pay them commission only, and they will always be taken care of. Anybody who's an introvert, anybody who doesn't like to mingle with people a lot, so on and so forth, they will starve. Okay? And so I'm right in the middle there. I have to totally believe in a product. I mean totally phenomenal, outstanding, be absolutely convinced, and then I can move into the sales realm. But if I feel like it's a little temporary, if it's faddish, if it might be okay for a while, if it's going to turn the corner, something else is going to come along, I have a tendency to really hesitate to be very good at sales. And so I, the Lord knew that I needed to be involved in the church, and I needed to have something of eternal value. And he said, hey, how about if you come represent me? Because I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I can save and take from the guttermost to the uttermost. And not only that, but as one guy told a sales guy on the plane one time, he said, when he said, who do you work for? At first, here he is, a missionary traveling the world, and here is a world-class businessman seated beside him. He got bumped. The missionary got bumped up into first class. And he finds himself with one of those Fortune 500 wonder guys who can just sell anything and doing great. And he says, so, what do you do? The missionary almost felt apologetic. Well, you know, I'm a missionary. And he thought, he felt checked by the Lord. And he turned, he said, 
I work for a global organization. Do you know we have offices and places of influence in every country of the world? In some of them, we are live-streamed. In others, we are moving things in digitally under the cover. But we are being represented all over the globe. And you know that every year we're expanding operations. And eventually, the whole world, we're going to be more known on the planet Earth than Coca-Cola. Well, he had the guy's interest. He said, what? He's thinking, I think I'm going to sell my country and come get my company and get involved with you. He said, so why have I not heard about this? What, what, what company is this? He says, it's bigger than Amazon, bigger than Google, bigger than PCs and, and iTunes and Apple, bigger. What, what are you involved with? He said, I represent the Lord and Savior, the answer for the world, Jesus Christ, And he is the king of majesty, and he is taking on this world. He's transforming it and changing it a life at a time, and I get to be a part of his great church. Give the Lord a hand clap. That's a great answer. (laughs) That's a great answer. It opened the door of a conversation with faith with that man, that businessman. He had him because he spoke his language. He didn't religious it up. But he spoke his language and had him and had was able to have a crucial conversation with him. Well, not only is a missionary, not only is Rex Borman, not only is Pastor Doug involved in that church, but as he said, this is our job. We have something called the commission or the great commission. I'd say this is the greatest commission. What is a commission? It's an instruction, command, or a duty given to a person or group of people. It's usually a subset of people. And they are given special authority. They are given directive and mission. And they come together and are unified by that task. And they are given everything they need in order to accomplish it. There were times that I was put on the clean up the basement commission. When I was put on the clean up the basement commission, I was given a broom and a mop and pine saw and hot water. <laughs> I was given everything I needed for the task. But aren't you glad we're called to a higher level than merely mopping the floor? We're called to a great commission by none other than Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the Lord of glory, the Son of God, the Word of God, the one that upholds the entire universe, and the one who said, I will build my church, and... The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Would you give the Lord another praise offering? Clap offering, yeah. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. We're just going to go through this, and we're going to pull out a few items. And this is uh, 11 verses, but it's not going to be a comment per each 11. So look at your neighbor and say, oh, I thought he said 11 points. No, 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 no. Let's see how many there are. Stay with me. In my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus, interestingly enough, either is the proper name of a person that means lover of God, or it's a way of saying, dear reader, which says, lovers of God. Now, how many of you love God? You heard that word that says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Not only that, you've considered the cross and you have seen his love emblem put there that said, I love you so much. So desperately, so madly, so deeply that I would offer up my son so that you would not have to be separated from me forever, but that you could have my name and placed upon you and you could walk with my glory, my honor and my power upon your life. Isn't that awesome to be adopted like that? Lovers of God, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Why? Because he left us to continue the teaching and the doing. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. It's one I want us to notice, first of all, that he has given his spiritual instructions. You know, natural people can't receive the instructions of the Lord. Natural, unconverted people can't receive and do the things of God. Why? They have to come by faith, 
They have to, as Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, they must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. They must be born again, Jesus said, to see and enter the kingdom of heaven. But once a person has been born again, what does it take to be qualified for the Great Commission? Be born again. Be born again. Once a person is born again, event, no matter how many side issues they have, no matter how much baggage they have, and no matter the darkness from which Jesus has called them, they can immediately move into shouldering the Great Commission. They don't have to wait and say, 20 years of good, successful Christian living, and I think I'll take this seriously. 21 years in the camp, I think I'll wait and see what it is that God has for me. That story reminds me of another story. I walked through a store in Tucumcari, New Mexico, and there was a young man that I saw every week when we went to get groceries or I went to get some supplies from that particular store. And there, here was a curious creature. Number one, he watched satellite Christian television, that's all you could get out there. If you didn't have a satellite, you were sunk. So out at his trailer, I'm over home, just out north of town, he would spend all of his time, he wasn't working, watching Christian television. I think that's a great idea to be watching the gospel and what's going on around the world and what's God doing. Great. Here is the curiousness about him. Not only did he soak himself in Christian television a lot, but secondly, he was a complainer. Now, how many of you know that Believers aren't necessarily perfect. They're becoming perfected. God has ambitions for them. And so it never failed when I went through his line that he, you know, hey, how you doing? I'd, I'd open that loaded question like Pastor Steve talks about. How, how you doing? He'd say, oh, not so good. Because uh. he knew I was a pastor. I'm sorry, that's a hint that you can then dump all your complaints upon him. Because he's a pastor, somehow he can handle that, and he likes that. He enjoys that somehow. And so, oh, not so good. So what's the deal? He said, man, I, here I am stuck in this job, living in a trailer, and all I have is Christian television, and I'm thankful for that. But you know what? I just can't wait till I can do more for the Lord. And I'm thinking, boy, if you'd just shut up, that would be a major step. <laughs> Then secondly, I'm thinking, if you could stop talking like that and start encouraging people that this check stand. So rather than abuse him or put him in his place, I simply said, look at you. He said, what? I said, you are in the center of life in Tucumcari, New Mexico. I mean, if that's all you got, it's Tucumcari. Hallelujah. Thank God for Tucumcari. We lived in Logan. Tucumcari was a big city. You see the signs on I-40, Tucumcari tonight. And so you're thinking, wow, the jewel of the desert. And then you drive through and go, okay, there's a Love's truck stop, and there's a McDonald's, and okay, and you can get your kicks on Route 66. Not sure I want to go down that road. And so I said, look at you. I said, do you realize that there are hundreds of, of people in Tucumcari that come through your line every week. Do you know that you are probably contacting more people in your check stand than the average pastor in entire Quay County? I said, you have direct connection into the lives of people who are coming and buying their groceries more than anybody in the county that's a believer. He went, I never thought about that. I said, can you imagine if when they came through your check stand, you were to speak well into their life or say something that the Lord had done in your life or give a thanks or just encourage somebody, you might be the one person in their life all day long that has something that uplifts them and speaks to them. It was as if an angel had appeared from heaven and told him something he had never considered. He stood there. You heard that proverbial, you could knock him over with a feather. And he went, wow. I said, so why don't you prepare to come to work? Just pray and say, Lord, there's going to be people coming through my line today that you could give a divine appointment. And I may be the one, the only one that represents you to them today. And you know what? I commend him because the next couple weeks when I would come in, it wasn't that sad sack complaining whiny cashier any longer. 
I would see him make the effort to look at people and just talk to them and encourage them. And I came through his line again, and I said, way to go. I, I see what you're doing. He said, I remember what you said, preacher. I remember what you said. Wow. Wow. Thank God for that humility. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Yeah. And so he received some supernatural spiritual instruction. He connected with that spiritual instruction from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he bought into the great commission. He was a sent one to that community. Now, there was a couple commissions that were given on the earth. You know, Adam got a commission. You know what his commission was? Multiply and fill the earth. Here's what God's commission was. From the mouth of God to the ears of Adam and Eve, y'all get busy. You see those animals? They're way ahead of you. They're multiplying by like bunny rabbits. Here's what their primary distinctive is. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Get busy. And have babies. And multiply. Not only that, but multiply yourselves. You know me. And by the way, let them know who I am. Then there was a flood. How many of you know that they didn't do so well with their great commission? So there was another commission. So after the flood, eight souls are saved. God comes to Noah, and here's what his command is to Noah and his family. Get busy! (laughs) Multiply and fill the earth. This is a very natural word to these people. They need to get busy. Fill the earth. In other words, spread out and get busy and multiply. What did they do? They clumped. And they weren't so sure about this multiplication thing. And God confused their languages and dispersed them. And then God comes to Abraham. At that time, his name was Abram. And he says to him, multiply. But you're going to have to do it miraculously, Abram, because you're old and your wife is barren. But I'm going to intervene and you are going to be touched supernaturally by my grace. And you are going to multiply. And you're going to do what? Bless the earth. In you will all the families of the earth be blessed. What was his command to Abram? Multiply, fan out, and bless people. Wow. I'm blessed in order to become what? A blessing. Do you imagine in your life what would happen if you would just say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and encourage people and bless people and see if I can inspire other people to become blessings and bless people. What would happen if we just did that? Then he came to the nation of Israel and challenged them. And he says, look what my plan is. Here's what my plan is. It's for you to fan out through all the earth and to become a royal priesthood in a holy nation. I want you to go to the four corners of the earth, not clump up, but spread out. And I want you to be my light even amongst the Gentiles. What was their answer? Our land, only our land, we're going to stay in our land and forget those other people, forget those Gentiles. Did they do very well? No. Here's what they did do good, and Jesus tells them. He said, do you know what? You'll travel the whole earth and convert somebody to become twice the son of hell that you are. Ouch. Some of you said, I could have gone all Sunday morning without hearing that, Pastor. But Jesus said it. They did fan out, but when they did, it was to pull them into their life rather than to reveal to them the great promise and life of God. But then Jesus comes, and how many of you know if you want to get something done right, you do it yourself? (laughs) Jesus becomes flesh. The Son of God becomes flesh. He comes and he plants and founds and begins this church. And how does one get into the church? They're born again. Who comes into the church? whosoever will, the Jew and the Gentile, they come by faith, and here's what happens. Jesus, who is prophet, priest, and king, his anointing is then shared with them so that they can go out and represent him as the prophet, the one who speaks for God, the priest, the one who makes them right with God, and the king, the one who has plans for their life and can rule and reign over them with peace and majesty. Would you give the Lord another hand clap? Amen. So after his suffering, he goes on to say in Acts chapter 1 through 11, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Why did he have to give convincing proofs? Because so many people need convincing. 
Can I just release you from a sense of guilt and condemnation you probably wrestle with a lot? And that is you want to be perfectly moved into faith and always hit the mark 100%. Right? Anybody wrestle with that like I do? You want to get it right the first time. Do it right the first time or don't try it at all. Some of us have that philosophy about this. Not Jesus. Jesus says, however you can believe and whatever you can believe, just come to me. If you'll just move towards me, listen to what he does. He, he shows us this man whose son was possessed with demons and throws him into the fire. And he comes to Jesus and listen to his honesty. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Thomas comes to him and has said to the other disciples, unless I touch those marks. And what is Jesus? He doesn't come up and slap Thomas in the back of the head and say, what's the matter with you, boy? You were with me for three years. He doesn't. He says, Thomas, you need some help, buddy. So come here. Put a finger in there. Well, actually this side. Some of you that are uh, medically knowledgeable saying pastor wrong side he pierced the pericardium right over here he says here here right here thomas put your finger in there hey thomas right here right here right between the radius and the ulna you see that it's still there i had the father leave those in place for guys like you put your finger in there now am i alive or what my lord and my god What happens to Thomas? He moves from the struggling with faith into faith. And I want to tell you something. Jesus is interested in proving himself to you. He is interested in convincing you of who he is. And he is not above that. He is willing to do that. So here's what he did. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And what did he do? Speak about the kingdom. Now, wasn't three and a half years enough? Evidently not. How many of you need some remedial lessons? How many of you need some tutoring? He says, look, I've been with you guys for three years, but I've got 40 more days, the testing of men, and I'm going to walk you through those 40 days, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you I'm really alive, not just a spirit, not just a floaty thing, not just a fear, not just a philosophy. I am who I am. I am Lord. I have conquered death, hell, and the grave. My life was not taken from me. I laid it down and took it up again. It's really me. Behold, it is I. I was dead, and now I'm alive forevermore. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Woo! He spoke about the kingdom of God. So what does he tell them about? He talks to them about kingdom culture. You know, in America, we live in a culture, right? And we would like to believe. Let me just, I'm going to personalize. I'm not going to put this on you with the royal we. You see how I just smeared you with the royal. I would like to believe that as an American, I also happen to have been raised to live kingdom culture. But here's rude awakening number one. America is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven has to be revealed and it can't be accomplished by unconverted people. You must be born again. There is a culture. There is a way things are done. There is a music. There is a lifestyle. There is a way that things happen that is his kingdom culture. And Jesus lived the kingdom culture, showed it to his disciples, and spoke to it over and over. Now he says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. We're going to expand upon that in Acts chapter 2 next week. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He is the prophet, priest, and king and has an anointing, which means we receive an anointing that is an anointing to speak, an anointing to stand in the gap between people and God, and an anointing to rule and demonstrate the dominion of the kingdom in the earth. That's great news. Remember I told you if he commissions you, he's got to provide you everything you need. You, We can't get this job done as the church with only the prophet anointing. 
We can't get it done with just the prophet and priest anointing. We need to have the whole enchilada. How do you like that? Some of you have just decided you had a sign from God where to go to lunch today. Oh, pastor, if the Lord, if pastor will speak of Mexican food, lo, I will go to El Paseo. I will do it, Lord. There is a full anointing on Jesus. We meet people who have been anointed to priests in the Old Testament. Anointed as kings. David was. Some were kings and they were prophets. But nobody ever was anointed as prophet, priest, and king. Until Jesus, the great high priest Melchizedek, was anointed of the Holy Spirit and went about doing good for God was with him. And he took authority and dominion upon the earth and he expressed the kingdom of God everywhere he went. And as a result, people were drawn to God. Their sins were forgiven. They were healed. They were cleansed. And miracles happened. And I'm here to tell you something. If Jesus did that as our example, he is our example. And everywhere the church goes, there needs to be be a people who speaks for the kingdom of heaven, people who demonstrate the kingdom of heaven by power and signs and wonders, and a people who draw people to God. We are his people. We've been commissioned to represent him upon the earth. Isn't that a great high calling? Wow. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Can you tell that these guys are Jewish? Here's their, here's their thought. Have you ever had God challenge your plans and your frame of reference? Oh, yes, we get it. This means Israel goes to the top of the heap again, just like the glory days of David and Solomon. We're going to finally get our act together and get there. And so they said, hey, are you going to take the kingdom and restore it to Israel? And then we'll be the fulfillment of that on the earth. We'll finally get our act together and do this thing. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. What's Jesus gently doing? Maybe not so gently. You're being distracted. (laughs) This is not about that. This is about something you guys have not figured out yet. And I'm revealing to you that I have a plan to take an ecclesia, a called out group of people, Jew and Gentile, and anoint them as prophets, priests, and kings, and have them do the Great Commission from the very beginning. To multiply and fill the earth and to bring people out of darkness into my glorious light to show them that I am alive forevermore to be my witnesses. Would you give the Lord a hand? That just helps me to turn the page and go to the next part. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, oh, I already get that. Oh, it's his calendar and his clock. Let God keep the calendar. Now, I think it's fun to look at the calendar, and I think it's fun to explore the clock. I'm not saying don't do that, but don't let that become a distraction for understanding where the Father is at work and that he wants us to join him. Here's what my bosses always wanted me to do. They wanted me to work as hard as I could until it was time to punch the clock. Do you know what ticked off my grocery store managers more than anything? People who stood around the time clock for 10 minutes at the end of the day and then clocked out. Here's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see a sweaty body running down the aisle, avoiding customers, of course. We don't want to have any liability here. And barely making it to the clock in time to punch out on time. When you did that, they took notice. And when you milked the clock... They took notice. What does Jesus want us to do? He says, when the Son of God comes, will he find us faith on the earth, and will he find us working? We'll work, we used to sing, till Jesus comes. What does that mean? We're engaged and we're doing. I want to have my, I have to be tapped on the shoulder and pulled up into heaven when Jesus comes back. How many of you would rather have that? Than standing around saying, where do you think will be the best place to stand and watch him come? If I'm standing around watching with a group of believers, that has me distracted from the task. And that is that I am called to be a witness. And if I'm called to be a witness, I need to be around a group of people who need a witness. And if I'm with a group of people who need a witness, I'm suspecting they're not born again. 
They don't know Jesus. That means I have to be diligently working until Jesus returns. How many of you say, Lord, help me be diligently working till you return? Amen. I know that wasn't as fun, and you didn't shout me down on that one. But here we go. We're bringing this in for landing. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His global plan... The Jews thought it was a land of Israel plan. And that was it. And from the beginning, what's God's plan always been? Multiply and what? Fill the earth. What did he say to Adam? Fill the earth. Noah, refill the earth. Abram, bless every family in the earth. To Israel, I want to disperse you to the whole globe as my prophets, priests, and kings. And they said, thank you, but this is fine right where we are. And now he says to the church, how about you? I have a global dispersion thing. I need to get you into the whole globe so that anywhere you go, you will be trusted to be my witnesses everywhere you go. He has a global plan. He's got the whole world in his hands. How does he do it? By touching people's lives who then respond to the call and they glow, go anywhere and they glow. <laughs> they not only go, but they glow. How do you like how I saved that? It was pretty lame, but we did it. And it's a global plan. Even if it's a check stand... In Tucumcari, New Mexico, even if it's a convenience store, along a truck route, even wherever it is, putting roofs on, installing carpet, selling life insurance, wherever it is that we go, our gifts and our talents call us to, right there is a mission field where we are compelled to go. We might not ever go to the Amazon basin. We might not ever have to learn Swahili. But we can speak Texas English and we can be around some people that rope cows, who ride fences, who ride motorcycles, who play golf. Hallelujah. And right there, we can be global in our outreach and please him. Aren't you glad the Lord has just given you the whole thing? He's laid it all before you. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky. How many of you would be still be looking at? If I was there, I would still be. They would bury me like this. That's how I'd pass away. Well, I, Where'd he go? What's happened here? They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Here we go. Number six, his necessary departure. He said, look, if I go away, two things. I'll prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. So how many of you know that our reimbursement plan is out of this world? Woo! And Jesus is not going to skimp on our mansions. It's going to be glorious. I can hardly wait to see yours, and I can hardly wait to have you come and see mine. And I can hardly wait to say, Lord, I, I'm not going to be able to say, how did you know I like that? Of course he knows. He loves me. He's deeply invested in me. It is going to be awesome. But you know what? That's the cherry on top. Here's what's really the deal. He says, not only if I go, you can come and be with me forever, but until then, if I go, I will send another comforter, even the Holy Spirit. You know that anointing that was upon me? That you guys wondered how that worked? He says, I'm going to send that very same anointing to be upon you. Doesn't matter how big or small you think you are. Doesn't matter what language. Doesn't matter male or female. It doesn't matter whether you're a priestly tribe or even in the tribe of Israel at all. It doesn't matter. I'm going to lay you down with my anointing. It's necessary that I go away so that I can prepare a place for you. And secondly... So that you can do my work with all the tools that I've shown you work perfectly. Isn't that awesome? How many of you want to drive Jesus' Corvette? Huh? What am I meaning there? He didn't have a literal Corvette. But I'll tell you, how many of you just love the idea when you read the stories of Jesus as saying, Wow, what would happen if that happened in my life? Let me tell you something. Jesus said it can. 
because I'm going to the Father and you're going to stand in my name and you carry a, you're compelled by the same spirit that's upon me and you have the same commission on you that rested upon me I want you to go and I want you to bear fruit much fruit more fruit and I want your fruit to remain and if I couldn't do it without the Holy Spirit what makes you think you can Amen He had to go his necessary departure and then we'll finish with this men of Galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky this same Jesus this same Jesus remember Thomas the one who's tangibly physically alive not just an ethereal spirit that moves in and out and wafts on the breeze and appears uh, just for a second like oh no but the actual physical, glorified, resurrected, empowered, untouchable, death can't take him out, Jesus, he just like him, the same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. That's a great anticipation. How many of you know he hasn't yet? But how many of you love his appearing? How many of you just can't hardly wait till Jesus comes back? We see it as a twofold thing when he comes back for his church and pulls them out of the earth. And secondly, when he returns and he takes the earth over and he defeats the forces of darkness, he releases his people, Israel, and he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. And I'm here to tell you, buddy, that's going to be a city of peace. Not only is that going to be a city of peace, that's going to be a country of peace. And not only is that going to be a country of peace, that's going to be a region of peace. No longer when people say the Middle East will we say, oh, whoa, problem. Not only is it going to be a region of peace, but it's going to be a sector of peace. It's going to be a globe of peace. Because the knowledge of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And you and I are going to get to rule and reign with him as he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. We're going to have a part of the earth where Jesus is going to say, remember how you always said if you were in charge, this is how it's going to be. Right here is where you get to be in charge. Woo! And we're going to rule and reign with him. His great return. Wow. Sometimes we forget he's coming back. And the world is either ignorant that he is or hoping he's not. But we need to be a people who love his appearing. We work knowing he's returning. We know we have a promise that rings in our ear as surely as it rung in the ear of John and Peter and the boys as they stood there and they heard those angels say to them, you men, why do you stand looking in this same Jesus who was taken up shall return in same manner? He's coming back so work like you're gonna have to show something for it wow accountability if jesus just goes away and doesn't come back then it's all lost and thrown to the wind but if he says i'm going to come back which means what every story jesus told about a householder he said he went to a far country and then he returned and what did he do when he returned he asked for an accounting what did you do while I was gone? Well, I stood on this mountain and waited for you to return. <laughs> Isn't that holy? <laughs> no. He said, I want you to go into all the world, and as you go, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to share the good news. I want you to be compelled by my spirit, and I want you to go with a commission, realizing that all authority and power has been given to me. I'm giving it to you so you can take this message around the globe. We give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. So, it's His commission to us. It's His last word to us. It's our first priority. Amen? Or it needs to be, some of us say, oh my. You say either amen or oh my, right? But today there's great news. We can take this day and say, whoo, I have a commission. And I need to get re-engaged with it. It has to be received, and it can be renewed. How many of you like that? Do you ever feel like you dropped the ball? How many of you know Jesus forgives? And then he releases? 
Then he re-empowers, and then he reorients you, and he says, well, let's get after it. Let's go. Let's pick up right now, right here, right now. We can't go back and cry over spilled milk, but we can go forward. And so he forgives, he releases, and then what does he do? He affirms our faith, he builds our faith, he repairs our faith, he strengthens us, and then he re-releases us into what we've all been called to. Every one of us in this room, if you're born again, this is what you're called to. The Great Commission. Will you stand to your feet? And I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I'm just going to challenge you as you stand to your feet. You can see where you kind of fit there. And I don't know how many times I've said, ooh, Lord, that I need to change up my priorities because Great Commission has slipped from first to somewhere else. Can I just ask you, advise you, challenge you? Say, Lord, can we, can we change up the order here? Can we get that priority of the Great Commission back up there? That I can let my light so shine before men that they will see the glory of the Lord. That I will become an encourager. That I will speak blessing. I've been called to speak blessing into the earth. And then I'll take that up. Not to be a religious language speaker. But to be a person who speaks into the darkness and speaks light. The one who speaks against despair. The one who speaks against hopelessness and faithlessness. And speaks an encouraging word of grace. Boy, a fit word, a wise word is like apples of gold and leaves of silver. And who knows the people will affect and influence if we'll take that great commission serious. Don't put it off to another country. Don't put it off to another era or another time, but seize upon it and realize it's his last word. It's his commission. It's what he did. And he's passed it to us. It needs to be our first priority. It was certainly his. It has to be received and it can be renewed. So wherever you are, just lift up your hands to the Lord right now. I know you're in this room, but somewhere in that list is where you're struggling. And Lord, we just lift our hearts to you, Lord of the harvest, King of glory, the one who has commissioned us and called us into a global involvement. We have a great commission that rests upon us. It's greater than a commissioner of the NBA. It's greater than a commission to fact find in politics or in, in law. It's greater than any commission, a human rights coalition or commission. It's greater than any commission that's ever been formulated upon the earth. It is the great commission given by God through his son, Jesus Christ, who himself accomplished his part of it. And now has passed it to us. Lord, we're praying. We're praying for a renewal in our hearts. We're praying for a fresh fire and a fervor. We're praying for a sense of going back and looking from that mountain into the heavens and having it dawn upon our hearts one more time. This same Jesus who left will in like manner return. This earth is not finished. The plan of God is not over. There is an unfolding still going on, a revelation still going on, a harvest still going on. People are still lost. People are still being born again. People are still being filled with the Spirit. And people are still responding to that great commission and becoming part of a global spread of the righteousness and glory of God. Lord, help us right where we are. No matter how small we feel, no matter how much we feel we have failed, no matter how we've been off the task and distracted, Lord, would you restore us? Would you stir us? Would you draw us back again to that intensity of that great commission? And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. May his grace and his peace be upon you. As you discover this week that place where he'll speak to you. And may the grace and peace be upon you as you prepare your heart for next week. As we look for a filling and a refilling of the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you as you go.